We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Castor. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 12.40 KFH. Everybody, Sports Daily, Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor alongside you here on this Wednesday edition. Uh, what a win by the Wichita State women yesterday. Make history. We'll talk about that. Lamar Jackson is not wanted. Why is that? All kinds of uh, drama with Lamar Jackson developing over the last 24 hours. We'll get you ready, uh, continue to get you ready for Big 12 tournament, AAC tournament. We've got Brian Haney joining us in just a little bit to talk Jayhawks as we make our way through here. Uh, I'm Jacob Albrock. Other side is Tommy Castor, Jad Chambers producing for us. You can get in touch with us, 869-1240. You can find us on social media. You can email us. We'll have some giveaways today, a lot to get to. Good morning, Tommy. How are you? I'm good. It's that good time of year, that fun time of year where uh, we've got basketball tournaments and opening rounds of tournaments going on. So far this week, there's nothing quite like turning on the opening round of like the Atlantic 10 conference tournament at 11 a.m. on a Wednesday. That's what I plan to do after the show is done today. So uh, it, it's the best time of year. And of course, next week we'll be into March Madness. So a lot going on and it's it's an exciting time. It is an exciting time and it is March Madness. And let's start with a celebration of the Shocker women here. Uh, winners historically against USF in the AAC tournament. Coming into that game, the top seed in that tournament was a perfect 27-0. and zero. Now, we know a lot of that has to do with when UConn was in the league, right, and was a part of their just unreal dynasty and all that. But it still continued even after, and USF's really good. And Wichita State, from pretty much start to finish, controls that game, gets the win, I don't know if it's the biggest win for Keita Adams here at Wichita State, but it's got to be real close if it's not. And it opens the door for them now with the top seed out of the way with a real chance to reach the NCAA tournament, which is just a a blast here over the next couple of days. You've got uh, the Shocker women taking on Houston today in the semifinals. It's the furthest they've ever made it in this tournament. Four o'clock coverage begins on KNSS, by the way. Um, and then you'll have, you know, hopefully a shot at a championship the next day this is crazy tommy i did like of all the things we had like lined up and, and it's like we're not it's not saying anything negative about the shockers it's just how unlikely it is to take down a one seed in that tournament it's never happened before yeah i texted you yesterday uh when the game was going on i was like have you seen the score 
of the the shocker women you're like no i haven't and uh it was fun it was a lot of fun to watch uh the the, the bench players dancing on the sidelines and uh you know the 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 ladies were hitting threes left and right south florida made a run i think right after halftime where they cut it to single digits or four or five points something like that uh and then you know credit to the shocker the lady shockers they put their foot on the gas and they pulled away and able to get a 12 point victory against the number one seed south florida and i'm going to differ with you a little bit that's absolutely the biggest win in the keitha adams era i I don't know of another one that is nearly as big as this one i mean that it's it's historic that victory for keitha adams and you know considering that They've got an opportunity now to keep the run going. They've already taken down the number one seed, and they could enter into the NCAA tournament. That's a huge win uh, and a program-defining win for Keitha Adams. Yeah, it's it's awesome, and good luck to them as they make their way through. Again, they play at 4 o'clock today now, and the March Madness is madness already. It's underway. It didn't take... You know, we didn't even have to wait for the Big 12 or the AAC men's tournament because the Shocker women provided it for us and an opportunity now to punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. So that is on the radar here today. Uh, we'll continue to talk about that throughout. The other big story, Tommy, um, that we want to get to off the top here because it's fascinating and we'll probably need to spend a couple of different segments throughout the show on this, is this Lamar Jackson situation. Um, now, we yesterday assumed that the the Ravens would put the non-exclusive tag and teams would negotiate with Lamar Jackson and he's probably uh, out. But all of a sudden, just like out of nowhere, all these teams are launching grenades, basically leaking out that they're not interested in Lamar Jackson. Um, This is really, really strange to see, but I, I don't know what's going on here. I, I don't know if Deshaun Watson's to blame, but for teams to so publicly come out and be out on a former MVP that you know if all things were equal, they would be in on, this feels weird to me. I think it's all bluster. Uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily put a ton of stock into what's going on. I mean, because, of course, we know that in this world there are three sides to every story. There's Lamar Jackson's side, there's the team side, and then there's the truth kind of somewhere in the middle there. Uh, so I, I think that ultimately what this comes down to is teams are starting to be uh, a little bit more cautious about giving guaranteed money in contracts. And I think Deshaun Watson clearly reset the market in that world. And I think that teams corrected, overcorrected, and now they're trying to come back from that, right? And they're trying to say, look, like we've got to get away from this world of long-term guaranteed money contracts. And Lamar Jackson, unfortunately, is kind of at the wrong place at the wrong time to be the, the poster child for teams not wanting to give up all this guaranteed money. That being said, I think the other thing, and, and I've heard different conspiracy theorists out there talking about collusion in the NFL and teams colluding against Lamar Jackson. I also do think that there is an argument that can be made that the Ravens have made a fair market offer over the course of the last year or so to Lamar Jackson, probably several fair market offers to Lamar Jackson that he is rejected. And so maybe teams are just simply saying, look, like we feel like Baltimore made a fair offer. We're not going to go much higher than what Baltimore is willing to do. And so that could very easily be the reason why all these teams are now, you know, allegedly saying that they're out on Lamar Jackson. Ultimately, there's going to be a deal done somewhere. He's going to land with the team. It's going to work out. But I think it's all bluster right now and all posturing and positioning. Number one, by Lamar Jackson and his agent. And then number two, by all these other teams. 
Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent. He represents himself. That's one of the problems. Um, So I, I, as far as collusion goes, I like the collusion in this, and I don't know the legalities or what's allowed or not, but I mean, these, these owners do not want fully guaranteed contracts to become the norm period. Full stop. Yeah. They've been colluding about that since the second Deshaun Watson was, was signed to that deal. Well, not under the current, you know, the current way of doing business in this league, fully guaranteed, fully guaranteed contracts happen in other sports all the time. It's not as much of, but, but they're not the norm in the NFL. So if you're an owner, yeah, you're going to want to put a stop to that real quick. Like what the Browns did was so outrageous from a business standpoint. Uh, it, It makes sense that the rest of the owners, if that's what Lamar Jackson wants and, by a lot of accounts, it is what he wants. He wants a fully guaranteed deal like Deshaun Watson got. And I don't know that there's another player in football that would warrant a fully guaranteed deal, again, compared to the normal way of doing business. So if that's the case, it doesn't surprise me. And whether owners got together on a call and said, hey, guys, we got to put a stop to this right now. Let's let Lamar Jackson be the example. I, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily that. Yeah, I don't but I think that. They, they're all thinking the same thing, though. Like, we will not give you a fully guaranteed contract. There's too many other factors. In order to give you a fully guaranteed contract, we've got to give up a couple of first-round draft picks. We've got to pay you. We've got to make it fully guaranteed, and we have to inherit your injury risk as a running quarterback. That's not going... If he really wants a fully guaranteed deal, he's not going to get it. Now, if if he backed off of that, I think there would be teams willing to give up a, a couple of first-round picks and, you know assume the injury risk of a running quarterback and assume the burden of changing up the offense to fit his style. That part of it to me is far less daunting than the fully guaranteed deal. The fully guaranteed deal is the reason we're seeing owners and teams do something they never do, which is come out and say they're out on a player public. Well, publicly, or they leak it to reporters, right? Yeah, we're not, we're not signing him. We're out. That's weird to do. Right. It doesn't make any sense. If you're if you think your competitor is going to be in on him, you don't want them to know you're out. You want to drive up the price. Right. So it's got to be that because that's the outlier in all this that doesn't exist in normal situations. It's these fully guaranteed deals. I can almost guarantee you that. If we knew Deshaun Watson in the in the insane offer that Cleveland was going to make. If if you would have said Deshaun Watson is commanding a fully guaranteed deal, everybody but Cleveland would have said, we're out. Like, we're not doing that. And so, I, I don't know, but it is he's creating now this. Because, like, what are the chances Lamar Jackson and the Ravens can mend fences here? Probably slim to none. So, like, what are Lamar Jackson's options here? Not playing football or taking a, a non-fully guaranteed deal, right? Like, I don't know it's what a, else— hey. It's happened before. Le'Veon Bell set out an entire season after the Steelers franchise tagged him back in 2018. So I don't know if that's best for business uh, for Lamar Jackson to sit out an entire season until the franchise tag is up and then he's free to go sign wherever and there, there's no compensation due to the Ravens. I, I don't know if that's the best thing for Lamar Jackson. But again, as you mentioned, he doesn't have an agent. And so he's not getting that advice one way or another. And maybe that's what he chooses to do. The other thing is that From a purely talent perspective, if we are ranking quarterbacks and their skill sets and their level of talent and what they can bring to a team, 
then I absolutely understand where Lamar Jackson is coming from when you look at the other talents that have gotten guaranteed money contracts, like Deshaun Watson. Okay, didn't do anything after he came back from his suspension and played for the Browns. Kyler Murray hasn't done much at all in Arizona. Russell Wilson was an unmitigated disaster last season for Denver. He's got guaranteed money. So I'm sure in Lamar Jackson's mind, he's thinking these quarterbacks who are clearly inferior to me are getting guaranteed contracts. That means well, not I need to be getting guaranteed. guaranteed. Right. He's but what I'm get saying guaranteed is guaranteed money, not fully. But what I'm saying, they're all, they're all getting quite a bit of guaranteed money. I mean, well, sure. you know, it, excluding Deshaun Watson, who's getting all guaranteed money. Their other ones are getting a substantial amount of guaranteed money. And I'm sure in his mind, he's thinking I'm better than all of these quarterbacks. Why am I not garnering that kind of, of dollar amount in my guaranteed money contract? And so I, I think, get that from, I get it from a talent perspective, but I think he would get the guaranteed money, just not fully guaranteed money, right? Daniel Jones just got a bunch of guaranteed money. Guaranteed money happens all the time but right. not fully guaranteed for the entire length of a deal. And, you know, if if it's just – it's very different when you have to, you know, guarantee that number against the cap for five years or whatever it is. And I don't know – Kyler what, Murray? I mean, Kyler Murray, his contract is $230 million. $190 million of it is fully guaranteed. That's a substantial yeah. amount of fully guaranteed money. Kyler Murray, you know what his record is as a starter? 22, 23, and one. And he's got what that's what 80%, 85% of his contract is fully guaranteed. Deshaun Watson got his entire $230 million contract guaranteed. He sat out an entire season and a half and has all these lawsuits against him. So, uh, from a talent perspective, when we're clearly just ranking Lamar Jackson, against these other quarterbacks that have gotten guaranteed contracts that the substantial amount of money is guaranteed. He's clearly better than all of them, but I differ in the thought of, I don't think it's collusion. I don't think that these NFL well, owners are I all getting, think it's I just think that they, I, just I think, think that they're, they're just all in agreement this, that yeah, they're not going to do it. And unfortunately, and it could have been anybody, right? Unfortunately, it's Lamar Jackson in this moment right now where the owners are saying, all right, the buck stops here. We've got to put a stop to this. Right now, it happens to be Lamar Jackson's contract in his situation, and it just so happens that he doesn't have representation. So I'm sure that the owners are thinking, all right, well, we're not dealing with a savvy agent here. We're not dealing with a Drew Rosenhaus or, you know, one of these other, you know, agents that, that they're, they're super well known. We're dealing with Lamar Jackson himself directly. So we feel like we can probably you know, I don't know, strong arm him or whatever, you know, I think an agent would be a little bit more savvy to understand exactly what's going on. But unfortunately, that's the situation that they're in right now. So Russell Wilson got 161 of 240 guaranteed. Daniel Jones is the most recent big contract. He got 82 of 160 guaranteed. Um, so, you know, it's almost like the percentage right of of guaranteed money equates to the, to the you know level of quarterback and yeah i think you shoot for at least kyler murray's guaranteed money but th nobody's going to fully guarantee it not only is it a lot of money it creates a cap nightmare if things don't go well and and you've got to deal with that then for the entirety of that deal and it's going to hamstring your franchise it's why the deshaun watson contract makes absolutely no sense for, for Cleveland, for a thousand different reasons, but for that reason alone, they were giving it to a guy who hadn't played football in a year and a half. So, like, it, it's just, I don't know. It's, it almost is going to be 
Lamar Jackson's choice here, I think, right? Like, one, how much money is he is he looking for in the contract? And two, how much of it's guaranteed? There's been a lot of reports for a long time that he wants a fully guaranteed deal like Sean Watson got. That's not going to happen, right? It's especially not going to happen if it also costs you a couple first-round picks. It, it won't. It won't happen. Tommy, people can get outraged and say everything they want and, oh, Lamar Jackson's getting no respect. There's not a soul alive that would fully guarantee a deal like that and give up two first-round picks for Lamar Jackson. I mean, they you just wouldn't do it. Not because of anything other than it doesn't make sense to do it that way. And especially doesn't make sense when you've got a quarterback coming off an injury. And especially doesn't make sense when you've got a quarterback that's getting older that relies so much on their athletic ability to run the ball. Is Lamar Jackson going to adjust his game? As he gets older, I don't know. I don't know if he'll even need to. He's still 26. He's very young. But what's he going to be at 29? What's he going to be at 31? This is the caveat in the entire situation that, you know, you can go back and forth and you talk about the guaranteed dollar amount versus not and what the NFL owners are are trying to do and the outlier contract and what Deshaun Watson had. The one caveat in all of this can Lamar Jackson win your franchise a Super Bowl? Can And I think probably yes. I think he has the talent that, yes, he can. He hasn't gotten it done so far. But to your point, he's young. It's not like he's you know been in the league for 15 years. He's 26. He's in his prime. There is a long way to go. And sure, the legs may decline over the years. He might not be able to have as high of you know skills running the football that may, may be diminished towards the back half of the contract. But I think that these organizations, you put all the money aside. I'm not saying to pay him what he wants. I'm not saying to give him the guaranteed dollars. But what I am saying is that these franchises that have either come out publicly or have leaked information saying that they're not willing to pay Lamar Jackson, they're not interested in him, I think you need to take a long, hard look and what's your plan to win a Super Bowl? And can Lamar Jackson help you win a Super Bowl? And I would imagine, I mean, look at the teams that have already said allegedly that they're out on Lamar Jackson. All of them, you would think, would be desperate to win a Super Bowl. So I'm not saying pay him the money, but I'm saying take a long, hard look at what you might be passing up. Because if you think Lamar Jackson can get you to the summit, to the top of the summit, maybe he's worth that money. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it is it is going to be really interesting to watch. We're going to come back. We're going to have a quick giveaway. We've got uh, Brian Haney joining us a little later in this hour, voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. We'll do it all as we make our way through Sports Daily. All right, welcome back, everybody. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster. It's Sports Daily. Your calls at 869-1240. Let's get one in here quickly. Bob on the line. Bob, what's on your mind this morning? Hey, guys. Hope you're doing well today. My wife got a text message from a friend that's showing Tom Brady in a Chiefs uniform. And it says Adam Schefter reports that uh, Tom Brady is joined the Chiefs practice squad. Yes, Yeah, that'd be fake, Bob. No way. I thought that was pretty funny, though. Uh, yeah, and, it is pretty funny. Another, yeah, no, that's and another thing uh, is there any uh, the way the uh, 
NCAA brackets break out, I'm kind of betting that the Final Four will be all Big 12. Uh, I mean, you'd have to see how it breaks out. We identified yesterday, Bob, five teams we thought were Final Four caliber, so it's certainly yeah, possible. It is It is so hard to do and unlikely. But, yeah, I think we both agree that there are five teams that are Final Four caliber, so sure. I mean, you'd have to see how it broke down. I'd say the chances of it happening are almost zero, but I'd love to see it. They're, they're certainly good enough teams to do it. Would Is there such a bet, and would you put $50 down? Fifty, no, fifty cents, maybe. Um, but <laughs> you're tight. You're so tight. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, you could you could parlay. I think when the brackets come out, your regional winners, you could probably pick the Big Twelve teams, parlay them together, and it would be very long odds. So yeah, I think there's a way you could do it. We'll have to see. I, I'm not sure the rules on it, but I mean, Bob, you know as well as we do, you can find a bet on anything. Oh sure, <laughs> yeah, that's true. All righty. Hey, thanks for the time, guys. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Bob. Bob. Hey, Thank uh, you. jumping off on that real quick, Jacob, I did see Gary Parrish from uh, CBS. He posed a really interesting question uh, the other day. And of course, it all depends upon the draw. And we want to wait until we see what the bracket looks like and everything. But if you had to pick a national champion, you know, we identified five teams from the Big 12 that could potentially make the final four. If you had to pick a national champion, depending on the odds, would you take the Big 12 or the field? Like, will the national champion come from the Big 12 conference or will it come from the field? And of course, you know, depending on the odds, I think that might play into it some. But uh, I mean, even straight up, I don't know. I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty good question. Kansas is my favorite, but I'd still, if I'm actually betting it, take the field just because I feel like the chances are higher. One, the Big Twelve could knock each other off, and you know, there are teams like UCLA in this thing, and Alabama and Houston who are all really good, and Purdue and Tennessee. There's too many good elite level teams from other places for me to take something like that but i love it i mean it's it's interesting that they're getting that much love uh maybe something we'll talk about in the next hour real quick let's give something of the way and then we'll take a break and get to brian haney early showing for the new dc movie shazam fury of the gods it's thursday tomorrow night at seven o'clock boulevard theater in town west mall we're going to give away a four pack and we'll do this We'll do 12 total tickets today, so if you don't get it this time, stay tuned. You'll have a couple more chances. Four tickets right now. Jad will take that winner. First caller during the break. We'll come back. We'll talk Jayhawk basketball. Brian Haney joins us next on Sports Daily. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Let's go now to the voice of KU, Brian Haney. All right, and welcome back to Sports Daily, and we welcome in Brian Haney, voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, as always here, as we get ready for the Big 12 tournament. Uh, This is going to be a great year in Kansas City, Uh, maybe two different times, Brian, but we've we've looked at this thing. Tommy and I, I, we've got five teams. We agree on this. We think there are five teams in the Big 12 that are that are Final Four good this year. 
you you with us on that or is that a little too uh, is that a little too much? Is that enough? So that's including everybody in the top tier except Iowa State. Is that right? Correct. Yep. I, I agree. And, and yet Iowa State wins in Waco on Saturday. Right. You know, total head scratcher <laughs> with some of the personnel stuff they've had going on with Grill and all that. So wild to see that. And uh, and yeah, I completely agree. I think that TCU is athletic enough with you know a, a take the game over type player like Mike Miles, but also just elite athleticism one through five that they could make a run where you win four games and go to Houston. I think that the, all the other teams above them are projected two seeds or higher, Texas, Baylor, K-State, or Kansas. So, of course, they could all make a run. So now that we've said that, that's all good and well, but you need at least one of those five to actually make the Final Four. And realistically, if we're going to say we're the big bad boys of the Big 12 that are the toughest league in all the land, I, I don't think it's asking too much to have two of those teams make it. And I recognize – we don't have two teams in the top four of the polls right now, but that doesn't mean anything. We beat up on each other enough that you can't have that. But what we do have is a strength of schedule that's second to none, and if that strength of schedule does what it's supposed to do and makes you battle-tested against all styles and all calibers of teams and defenses and all that, then you should be able to navigate two teams through the bracket. Now, obviously, anything can happen. Matchups are king when it comes to Selection Sunday and the road you're dealt and that kind of thing. But if we truly want to back it up and say the Big 12 was the best, then in my mind you got to get three to the Elite Eight and two to the Final Four. And that may sound like I'm asking for too much, but we've been, you know, we, we, we've been blasting the, the sound on loud all season long about how good our league is. And national pundits that used to be so ACC and East Coast media biased and trenched, they've actually come on board with it. And, and so now it's time to go back that up, and hopefully the Big 12 will. We're not cheering for each other yet, but starting on Sunday, we will be. And, and I'd love to see this league respond with the type of postseason that backs up and validates an unreal regular season, the best we've seen in 27 years of this league's existence. Brian, before we move on and, and talk about the, the Big 12 tournament, I want to go back to Saturday in Austin. You know, it's, it's the regular season finale. Uh, KU already wrapped up the Big 12 championship by the time that game rolled around what kind of takeaways can we have from that loss at texas of course we know what the longhorns have done this season under rodney terry and you know that them trying to battle for their best seating in the ncaa tournament potentially so what kind of takeaways do you think we can gain from the the jayhawks loss on saturday um i'm gonna give you a couple one their arena is amazing and it's going to be a great recruiting tool in already a recruiting hotbed in the talent rich state of Texas, just state of the art, everything. It was fabulous. Specific to the game, which is where you're really coming from with your question. I think there's two takeaways. One, you can't underestimate even the smallest of psychological dial it back, take the pedal off the metal, scale it down a bit Yes, Bill Self played the guys their normal minutes. And yes, he preached how important this game still is for the number one overall national seed. But you can't undersell the fact that on some level, deep in their psyche, they knew they didn't have to have it for the goal that they'd been breaking huddle with for the last five months. And by that, I mean when they're all huddled up at the end of practice or shoot around or whatever, they put their hands in and they say on three Big 12 champs. And, and that had been sewn up. And so even though they'd all say, oh, we were going for it, 
on some level psychologically, but there had to be a little bit of a dial it down. And the, the takeaway from there is Texas is good enough, and those other four teams we referenced in your Big 12 top five are all good enough that even the slightest bits of an exhale can get you beat if you're up against one of those other four teams. And I would toss a couple more teams like Iowa State and Oklahoma State in there that if, if we play just a little bit foot off the gas against either of them, we could lose as well. And so, uh, and heck, maybe West Virginia on uh, Thursday, if that's the game on Thursday. We'll see if they beat Tech tonight. But the point is, I, I think subconsciously, psychologically, there was a little bit of a step back. Final takeaway, Tommy, is, yeah, you know, Kansas, as good as they are, and as amazing as their resume is with a 15-6 and six record against Quadrant 1 teams, if we don't bring it, if this team could go from being a national title contender to out in round two in Des Moines. And I don't think that's going to happen. But for the first time since Ames, Iowa, when it was the Jalen Wilson show and everybody else was just kind of, I don't know, they weren't standing around in Austin, but they clearly weren't on their game. I mean, DeWan missed nine shots in a row. That's very un like Because usually if he's missing five in a row, he's not shooting a six. He was still trying, which is good. But he was really off, and, and we saw Grady held in check until very late in the game. And so the point is our margin for error is not huge with this team. It's not a deep team either where you can just bring in reserves off the bench if the starters aren't cutting it. I would argue this is KU's least deep team Bill Self's ever had rivaling 2012 in that debate. But if we're dialed in, we could be as good as anybody in America. But the big takeaway is if, if we're just a little bit off, the season could end very quickly. And so hopefully, you know, you do what last year's team did. And Bill Self has said that this week, and so is Jalen Wilson. Last year's team bought in so hard defensively that, you know, the, the goal became make other teams look and play bad. If the shots come, they come. But we're going to start by getting stops and then see where that takes us. And that that's the type of mentality that doesn't lead to artistic, pretty basketball, but it leads to surviving and advancing if you're exceptionally good on that end. And Kansas is going to have to be. Uh, and that's you know easier said than done when you don't have a true center protecting the rim. But if the defensive buy-in is as good on the perimeter as we think it can be with McCuller, who's up for National Defensive Player of the Year, and DeWan, who won it in the Big 12 over Kevin, this has a chance to be a very good defensive team that advances very far. And the last thing I'll say is, Jalen told me on, on Monday's Hawk Talk that last year, after the two losses in Waco and Fort Worth back-to-back, they became more selfless than they had at any point in the season. They truly united better than they ever had, where they were just happy to get the best bucket for whoever was in position for the highest percentage shot. And it, there was no hero ball. There was no individual agenda. It was just total unity, greater good of the whole, all that. And, and he feels like this team, after a splash of cold water in the face on Saturday in Austin, is ready to buy into the same. I don't think they needed that necessarily. I think they were already trending that way. But, but those are a couple of things that are very important if you're going to overcome the fact that this is not a deep team. And they're super talented, one through five, but not the most talented team by any stretch that he's had here, which makes the coaching job all the more impressive. So those are some of my thoughts leading it. Uh, I still think this team, if they get to Saturday, regardless of what happens on Saturday, if they tack on two more quad one wins, this should be the number one overall national seed. Seth Davis says that. Nick Vitale says that. Joe Lenardi says that. And that's currently. 
What you can't afford, I don't think, guys, is losing on Thursday and having back-to-back losses heading into Selection Sunday when one of them was a loss where you looked pretty poor. That's the thing I think they can ill afford. But otherwise, you're in a great spot still, and uh, now let's go take advantage of that because, as Jalen said, nothing would be sweeter than cutting down nets to go to the Final Four in front of your home fans in Kansas City, in the Kansas City Regional. So that's what this current trip to Kansas City is for, the chance to lock up that region, and hopefully all that comes to fruition. Talking to Brian Haney, voice of the Kansas Jayhawks here. Brian, I'm curious, in this Big 12 tournament, uh, maybe not even you know brackets aside or whatever, what team scares you as a Jayhawk fan, as a Jayhawk, you know, uh, the voice of the Jayhawks? Which team scares you the most? out of the Big 12? Well, I didn't want to see Baylor fall for the four seed. I didn't want to have to face them unless it was Saturday because I just think they have so much firepower offensively and they're the type of team that can, as we've seen, when they were up 17 in Allen Fieldhouse uh, and a double-digit lead in Waco too, they can pour it on you in a hurry and suddenly you're trying to climb out of a hole. And yes, this Kansas club has climbed out of some holes before, but we're a much better play-from-out-in-front type team I think Baylor has the firepower to bury you early. Texas certainly does, too. We just lost by double digits to Texas. But I think they're a little more sporadic in in, in that regard, um, unless Marcus Carr is going off or something like that. So, And really, if you look at Saturday, we did a pretty good job on Carr and Allen. It was the other guys that got to us. But, you know, you're not going to have to see Texas unless you get to the championship game. They're on the other side of the bracket. Um, I don't want to make bulletin board material and say I would have rather seen K-State in a a potential Friday matchup, but, you know, those three teams that were all tied for second heading into Saturday, uh, I I think Baylor scares me a little bit more than K-State would have as a semifinal opponent. You get to Saturday, and and if it's KU-K-State on Saturday, that one scares you a ton because the building's going to be half and half and K-State's going to be playing like it's their Super Bowl. So I think depending on when you play, it may scare you even more. But uh, to me, that, that Friday matchup with Baylor is dicey. And if you win Thursday but lose Friday and go out before Saturday, I think you're probably expecting to be sent to New York or Vegas or Louisville and not Kansas City because at that point, you probably have a five-loss differential between Kansas and Houston. And the quad one win argument is something that's very strong and very important. But when you're talking about five-loss differential, two by Houston, seven by Kansas, and they didn't have the seventh come in the title game of the toughest conference, that's where I think it's a nervous selection Sunday. So uh, I'm not looking past West Virginia Tech at all. That, that could be a scary one on Thursday. But assuming the higher seed prevails, the fact that Baylor with Cryer and Flagler and the freshman of the year, Keontae George, a team that could absolutely go to the Final Four, the fact that they're waiting for you in a semifinal game, that'll feel like a title game a day early. And that, to me, is your scariest matchup. Brian, thinking back to the national championship run a year ago, uh, we know how important Remy Martin was during that stretch for Kansas. And then, of course, in the title game, what David McCormick did uh, against North Carolina. This year, as we get into March and making a tournament run for the Jayhawks, who needs to be this season's Remy Martin and or David McCormick to be the most important player for the Jayhawks to be the best version of themselves? Great question. I wish I had a, a great answer, but there isn't a Remy Martin on this year's team. And, uh, you know, we saw Joe Yesifu in spurts come in and, and have the big 14-point game versus Texas in Lawrence. Uh, 
And and that was on the heels of, of him kind of being challenged, the whole team really being challenged after the loss at Iowa State. And, and you hoped that down the stretch he would emerge, not as a Remy Martin sixth man, because let's be clear, Remy Martin was a 2,000-point career scorer and first-team All-Pac-12 and all of that. He was the best sixth man in the country last year. But to be real with you, you don't have that coming off the bench this year. Honestly, the guy that could change the game the most off the bench, if, if Self will give him extended run in certain matchups to call for it, is Ernest Uday. And that doesn't mean he's going to come in and score 15 points or anything, but he gets so many deflections with that 7-4 wingspan. He provides legitimate back line of the defense rim protection. And I don't know if you've noticed, he hasn't missed a shot since December or late November. I can't remember what it was. It goes back to the Texas Southern game. You can look it up on, on the, the schedule in front of you. Uh, and, again, he's dunking all the time, so it's not like he would miss a dunk. But point is, he's been really good on a team that doesn't have a bench anywhere close to what we thought it would be because MJ never really developed with all of his injuries and, and uh, illnesses and setbacks that kept him from entering the self-circle of trust. So to answer your question, Tommy, it's tough to say. Now, you asked who's the guy that really has to, to be most important. To me, that, that is an easy answer. It's DeWan Harris. Jalen Wilson was the Big 12 player of the year and the most outstanding player in the Big 12 because he had a historically great scoring stretch of four games or five games early in league play. But the guy that was our MVP in our seven-game win streak that vaulted us to the league title was DeJuan Harris on both ends of the floor. League coaches called him Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. You look at the assist-turnover ratios off the charts. It's laughable that he's not on the Bob Cousy top five list because this guy, in my opinion, is the best point guard in our conference, which is the best conference in America. So he should at least be in top five consideration nationally at his position. He's most important. But we don't have a true back-to-the-basket big man you can throw it into to get the shots that David got you. And we don't have a Remy Martin catalyst off the bench at all with this year's team. So to find perfect comparisons to those two, you're just not going to do it, and I'm not going to fabricate it. But I'll tell you, the guy that we will go as far as he takes us, believe it or not, is not Jalen Wilson. It's DeWan Harris. He's that important. And, and look at how we performed on Saturday when he missed nine in a row and was – two of 11, two of 12, whatever it was, um, versus the guy that we saw much more efficient, much more in control the previous seven games when we were absolutely playing like a national title contending team. It's interesting because I certainly agree. And it's also, it feels like the position of greatest depth for KU with Yesifu and Pettiford there. But how strange is that, right? Because if you're if your best bench player is coming off, back up your best player that you always need on the floor all the time, right? Like it's it's this weird thing for KU, and and maybe those guys can help in other places. But yeah, I mean, Dewan Harris, it just the proof is in the pudding all year long. He's got to be good, even if they've got good players behind him. No doubt, and and they have good players behind him. They don't have great players behind him, and. With DeJuan, I mean, we talked about the stat where 22-0 and he scores in double figures, you know. And right. He's, he's the guy that, that makes everybody else so good with 
his distribution. He gets all these live ball turnovers that make us a great transition offense team. I mean, he had six steals in the West Virginia game when we took that game over and flipped it. It was all him. He took the game over. And, and there's nobody that controls both ends of the floor as much as he does. Kevin certainly uh, controls a lot on each end, but he's not the distributor offensively that Juan is. And, and he honestly doesn't score off the bounce like Juan can. So he's the straw that stirs the drink. He's most important. And by the way, I don't mean for that commentary on our lack of depth or the lack of bench options compared to last year to sound doom and gloom. I just told you, 2012 was a season where we went all the way to the title game, and Elijah Johnson would tell you that if it was a 42-minute game instead of 40 against Anthony Davis in Kentucky, they would have come all the way back and won the thing. So you can win it with not a lot of depth especially with the longer TV timeouts, fatigue isn't much of an issue. But foul trouble can be, and guys going into funks can be if you don't have firepower off the bench. I think Joe Yesifu at some point in the tournament, and that includes this week in Kansas City, at some point in the postseason, will come in and hit a couple of big shots that might help propel us. But we don't have, to be clear, we don't have a Remy Martin like we had last year, which puts a greater onus on those five starters. But you could argue the strength of these five starters and the way their very unique skill sets complement each other in very different ways makes us just as potent as last year's starting five, if not more so. But you don't have coming off the bench what you had last year. So that means everybody on through five has got to be that much better. And I think they can be. But, but the margin for error, as we said throughout, certainly is razor thin. So you got to bring it. And, and Saturday was definitely proof of that. All right, Brian. Well, we've got game one. We'll see who we play later tonight, but we know it will be at 2 o'clock on Thursday. Uh, you'll hear it right here on KFH, as always, as we've got the Jayhawk Radio Network here. And, you know, you don't have to travel too far for this one, thankfully, to get to the to the Big 12 tournament. Who knows? Maybe we'll be right back there in Kansas City uh, for a Sweet 16 appearance in, in a few weeks here. No doubt. That, that's what we're playing for, obviously, is, is the chance to – you know, have a 15,000 fan turnout for the Sweet 16 and Elite A, you wouldn't completely take the building over, but you'd probably have 15 and a 19 if, if Kansas was, you know, the, the host, so to speak, of, of that region. We'll, we'll point out, though, that when they were in the same spot in 2017. Unless Kansas State gets there, too. It's true. I which don't selfishly know we're all hoping for. I don't know if they put them in the same region. Obviously, if they did, they couldn't play until the Elite Eight, but that would be crazy if they did. Uh, K-State would have to do a lot this week to get hooked up like yeah. that, though. I don't think yeah. they're toward the They'd top. They'd have to win it, I think. Line. Yeah, but my point is, in 2017, we looked dominating versus Purdue in the Sweet 16 and then absolutely ran into a more athletic uh, and, and hotter team in Oregon, and it didn't matter that we were, quote-unquote, at home. So, Sometimes uh, it's more of an advantage than you think, but we'd love that. Jalen Wilson said this week to, to cut down nets in Kansas City to go to the Final Four would be the ultimate dream for him. Uh, and, and we pointed out that only the 0203 teams have ever been to back-to-back Final Fours. And, yeah, we've had back-to-back national titles, but that was a Helms Foundation that was awarded after the fact. So this is, this is what's at stake for Jalen and Dewan and their legacies. I mean, no Kansas team has ever won back-to-back national titles. They would have potentially back-to-back Final Fours if they got there, with one of them being a national title, which 0203 certainly didn't do. So they have a chance not only to do something very special 
you know, w- within their individual careers, but to do something historic at a program that is the winningest of all time, but hasn't done certain things back to back. And that I think is something that motivates these guys as well. So we want the easiest path possible when it comes to matchup and location. And I think if you have a really good week this week in Kansas city, it could be a place you visit in a couple of weeks as well. But you know what? That also, you know, is, is assuming you make it out of Des Moines and we're not going to count any chickens before they hatch with that too. Cause when I look at bracketology and I see some of the eight, nine matchups you could get, including Missouri and Arkansas and some of these teams, uh, it, it's going to be a dogfight in Des Moines, too. So let's not just assume you make it to Kansas City as good as college basketball has been this year. All right, Brian, we'll rest up, rest well, and we will hear from you tomorrow right here on the air. That's right. We'll be sleeping in my mattress hub bed very much this month, unless it's a short month. So I'm, I'm hopeful that I'm missing that purple mattress that I got from the mattress hub because we're out on the road for four straight weeks watching these Jayhawks live up to their optimal potential. But you can get the great night's sleep that I've been getting for the last nine months with this amazing bed. And maybe it's Tempur-Pedic, maybe it's Sealy, maybe it's a different one that fits you best. But for me, I tried a couple. I went through the great customer service that they offer there and found the perfect night's sleep for me. They'll do the same for you. Check them out. Wichita owned and operated the Mattress Hub. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you so much. And uh, we will talk to you next week from Des Moines, more than likely. And, uh, yeah, I think that'll be uh, the day before game day in Des Moines. So hit me up. I'll give you all the great Des Moines uh, must-sees, including Fong's Pizza, which Greg Gurley says is the best in the Midwest. Uh, So, yeah, we'll, we'll have that for you next week on a tournament preview right here on KFH. That sounds great. There goes Brian Haney. Uh, congratulations, by the way, to Scott in Wichita for winning our first four-pack of movie tickets. Um, if you missed anything, by the way, with Brian Haney, go to kfhradio.com. Let's give away another four-pack here real quick as we get into our uh, break going into hour number two. We'll do that for the first caller, Shazam, Fury of the Gods tonight, Boulevard Town West Theater. Four tickets to our first caller, 869-1240. Hour number two of Sports Daily coming right up. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.